I am Janita Stanton. We have Reginald Perriman, Shaka Williams. We are Tasari, and this is the There's Something About Real Estate podcast, where we talk all things real estate. And tonight, we have a special guest with us, Miss Erica Simpson-Kemp of yeah. Gold Star Mortgages and whatever. <laughs> Gold Star Mortgage Financial Group Corp. Gold to be Star. Exact. Hey, when she when she calls them deals, we gotta start yelling out Gold, Gold Star. Star. Gold Star. <laughs> so Miss Erica, you just you, did you just become Erica Kemp? Simpson I, Kemp? I did, November twenty seventh. Congratulations. Thank How, you. How's marriage married life treating you? I like it. I love it. Cool. Yeah. He he understand why your clients be calling you all times at night. Absolutely. Because I'm the problem solver. Yeah, you said the promise hour. I'm the problem, problem solver. solver. Oh, the problem solver. Oh, I was about to say that sounds a little. <laughs> no, the promise hour is I promise I'll call you back. Oh, okay. After hours. Oh. But we all don't have them no. hours. She said yeah. problem solver. I am the problem solver. So yeah. the anxiety reliever. So give us a little bit about your background. How you got started? Wow. So. Uh, believe it or not, I uh, started when I was about 13 years old. I worked at a hard money lender in Georgia um, as a receptionist. And so there, back then, uh, we used to pull credit with a fax machine, with the wax paper. So I was pulling credit back then, <laughs> uh, stacking loan when we were, you know, we had paper and um, cutting checks. So that is how I started in the business. Um Back, I think, when I graduated from high school, my sister was running a, a broker shop in Decatur, Georgia. Um, and so I started there again as a receptionist. And I just said, I don't want to do this. What is she doing? And she doesn't know what she's doing clearly. So, And I taught myself. And so within about 90 days, uh, I had took over her position. And, like before um, your 14th birthday? No. Oh. No, at this point when I graduated. So I was 18. Okay. And um and it just seemed interesting. It was like putting pieces to a puzzle together. And um and I was just good at it naturally. Back then we had maybe twenty, thirty different lenders. They used to visit the office like once or twice a week. So I was eating red lobster every week. But while I was there, um, they would bring their matrices and programs and I would study it. So right. that is how I got so good at being good at every diff every different type of loan. FHA, VA, USDA, conventional, non-conforming. We were doing everything. Hold on. Right. You was doing USDA loan? Yes, real. Wow. She was in Georgia. Yeah, she especially if she was in Georgia. Yeah, yeah. I've done I've done USDA here. Yeah. Maybe about five loans, but that's far, far, far north. Yeah. But those are sweet. The sweetest loans I've ever. That's I a lot of incentives that come with those. Oh yeah. Yeah. Man, I wish I could get that. Itself. I need that now for my property. They should. Like, we should try and get my area zone for Look here. <laughs> she got a honey house out in Taylor. She it's, think it's, it's all, the... All the ghosts gone. Though. Yeah. yeah they gone. think so. They brought them out. Y'all brought the ghosts out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you got a pretty extensive... I, I did. I... Long career... Yes, ma'am. Actually, and I also work for MCA Mortgage here. So after George, I moved back to Detroit because I wanted to come home. I love home. And um, I was there working as under as a lender. And that is where I got formal training. Right. And I, from there on, I was broker shop, broker shop. I ran a couple of branches in my 20s. Probably the youngest branch, you know, manager ever. I was right. probably 23, 24. Those went very well. And then the crash happened. Right. But I stayed in the business. Because right. my background is processing right. and underwriting 
and now I'm originating again. And so, I mean, I've got a, a 25 years cool. in the business. So what's unique about Erica is like her client relationships. So like some loan reps, they'll just, you know, have you complete files, submit your documents. They'll tell you what you need. It's no real connection there. But she be working with the people. Yeah, she be fighting. She have her girlfriend talk <laughs> with them and everything and be like, look, I need you to get this. So, yeah, she she be real We're passionate about together. her clients. Yeah, that's what it One be. One of the things that I really like about, so I've been saying I was going to steal it forever and I still haven't. You know what I'm talking about? That uh, Ten Commandments the, that you shall not do when yeah. you're getting ready to purchase a home. Let's talk about that because people... People apply for a mortgage, and then they do some of the craziest stuff before they close. All the time. So what What would you say 10 things you shouldn't do? 10 things, yeah, off the dome. Hmm. Well, the first thing is you should continue working 40 hours. So don't stop working, right? right. Don't apply for credit. Don't uh, increase your debt. Don't buy a car because you would be living in the car. Right. Don't buy furniture. <laughs> You know, the main right. thing is you don't want to buy a new car for your new house right. or buy furniture for your new house. This increases the debt-to-income ratio. But more uh, recently, I've been seeing um, people are leaving work about an hour early every day to go look for homes. Wow. And so they're no longer qualifying for the mortgage because they're not working 40 hours a week. That's happening a lot now. Wow. Mm-hmm. I didn't think yeah. about that. Either. Yeah, that's, I've added that to my... Um, Checklist, nope. It's it's ten commandments are still there, but my my document checklist is go to work. Right. Make sure you're working forty hours. Keep up the overtime because you qualify with that. Right. So if you change it, talk about overtime. How does that impact somebody's ability to qualify? Like how much overtime is considered? Um, so let's say somebody's working overtime for two months straight and then they stop. Versus somebody that's working t- overtime all the time, maybe like six months to a year. Okay. Straight. Overtime uh, is in the same category in a sense of self-employment. So okay. you're going to average everything for two years. Okay. So some plants um, or some jobs, they get the overtime later in the year. Okay. And then some have it in the in the beginning. So right. we're going to average what you're doing over the last two years. So right. some right now, they don't have any overtime for 2022. Right. Ton of overtime 2020, 2021. Right. So we're going to average it over the last two years. So not too big of a difference. Okay. But it is important to stay in line. Everything is consistency. So if you're, you know, you're consistently doing 10 hours a week and we need that overtime for you to qualify, you need to make sure you're doing those 10 hours a week so you can that approval can stay the same. Right. How long do you have to be on your job? Um, You can be on your job 30 days, actually. If I have a pay stub right. um, and it's showing a 40-hour or however you're paid, 80 hours or 40 hours, you can be on the job one month um, or even one week. To be honest, you just need a two-year work history. There are some little guidelines in between. So if you change jobs too frequently, you cannot qualify um, because it looks unstable. But you can change jobs frequently if you are continuously improving your income. income. So you went from $10, $12, $15, $20. You can keep changing jobs as long as it's, it's, it's improvement. 
So it's like you're showing a reason why you changed. Yeah, okay. yeah. And I think that six jobs within two years may be the max. Okay. Yeah. Let's go back because you said people need, they can be on their job 30 days or sometimes less. But the key word is they have to have continuous employment. Yes. Because a lot of people, they'll call and they just started mm -hmm. their job and they're like, oh, I'm full time. Mm -hmm. And this is like their first job in a year and a half or two years. Yeah. So if you have a gap of more than six months, right, you have to be on the new job six months. Okay. Yeah. So right. you can just start a job, but if the gap is there, right. absolutely not. Okay. Six months on the new job. So someone that was maybe like laid off um, and then three months later they found another job. They're going to need three months? No. Oh No, just... it's anything over the, over uh, six months. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah, 90 days is a, is a reasonable time. Right. You know, for gaps of employment. Okay. What about somebody, um, how does it look when they change positions and maybe they're going into the same field of work? Not a, Does not that matter? No. Okay. No, All right. no. Sometimes um, there are exceptions where... Um, you're not in the same line of work. Okay. We'll accept that as well. Okay. You know, people can change their minds on what they want to do. Um, but as long as it's full time. Right. Is what we're looking for. Just stable income. Okay. So I'm going to reiterate and be clear. So right. under six months, you, you can go to a new job um, 30 days in and still get a loan. Above six months, you have to have six months. On a new job. So it's always a two-year work history. Mm -hmm. So let's just say uh, someone just started January, mm -hmm. and they had this gap of 90 days, mm -hmm. right? So October, November, December, mm -hmm. right? Prior to that, they have, you still have to put together the two-year history. Mm -hmm. So I still need... 24 months. 24 months or 23 months right. of work history. Right. Gap is fine. Start a new job in January. It works. Mm-hmm. Cool. What about people relocating? So, like, um, I'm relocating to a completely different market, new job, new career, and everything. It's still the 24 months or 23 months? It's 24. Yep. It's still okay. two-year history no matter what. Now, uh, for our young people uh, who are fresh out of college, well, there right. is no two-year work history. Right. So you get transcripts that you were in mm. school. Wow. And that closes up the gap for the work history. Okay. Or someone graduated from college and they only have a one-year work history. It's okay. You go back, right. you get the transcript from whatever college. Right. That closes up the gap. What about 30 days after graduating? Two-year work history. Oh, two-year school two. history. I mean, Still two years. I mean, I'm saying, well, what if you, you went to school for four years? That's fine. And now you came out, you got a job for 30 days. That's your work history. Your oh. school is your work history. Okay. Well, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So I need to go around some colleges. So yeah, talking about the, some of these um, people who are coming out of school and maybe they're come, they were going for like nursing or engineering or I don't know something like that, <clears throat> but they have not yet made the wage of maybe that higher dollar earner. Have you done that where they can still be approved for that potential surplus in finances? No, you, do you know what I'm talking about? I do know. So <clears throat> that is. I'm answer it, I'll go back. So no, we don't we can't qualify on potential earnings because it's an at will, you know, employer and so they can lose that job. What we used to do 
And this is years ago. This is this old school. So we used to have these things called option arms uh, where someone like that, um, let's say the the first year was such a, a lower amount, and then they had these potential earnings. You had the option to pay three or four different payments, interest only, uh, maybe at a 1% rate, uh, maybe an arm rate or fixed rate. It was like a, it's called an option arm for people like us who have variable income, right. um, and you can just choose. Well, we that program went away because it was being abused. But those programs were really meant for what you just asked. So, for instance, you know, one month we can make $20,000, and another month it could be two. Right. Well, for that one month, we can pay just interest on the mortgage, mm. and it still would count as a payment. And then the next couple of months when the income uh, or the market change for someone like us, then, yeah, you can make the full principal interest payment. So, but answer your question, no. Those loans don't exist anymore. Okay. No potential earners, you know, just what, what you're making now. How about the, what What can people do to have get assistance with, you know, additional monies for closing a down payment? So there are, we do. So Gold Star has the, the popular program, which is MISHTA. Right. The $10,000, up to $10,000. Um, Chinoa has a program. Yep. Um, now, it's not as sweet as the Mishta, but you know is out. They'll give you three to five percent, okay. and under you know the FHA, it can be forgivable. Conventional, you have to pay back, um, and then you have some other you know brokered programs that will give you the down payment as well. What was the other one? Um, Habitat for Humanity has a program. So some of the counties have these uh, grant programs to assist with down payment. Um, so they just need to be, you know, get with a loan officer. Yeah, that um, Habitat program is nice, too, for people who can qualify for it. Yeah, and Explain it's what that is. It's stringent. <laughs> so um, I have my first one uh, with Oakland County today. Okay. Um, yeah. It is it is it's strict. So they'll give up to $25,000. You right. have to have at least 1% in okay. of the sales price. Um, and they want you to have reserves. So two payments left in your bank account after you close. Okay. Um, but their their requirements for income and debt is no. so strict. Right. You know, the client I had today, I had to tell her, you're over. Um, so someone can make too much money. So is, is that the case? Yes, I have based on the household income. Yep, it's right. household income. And it's the same with Mishta and any other program. Right. Um, you know, whatever the medium in- income is for the county. But their debt to income is so strict. Right. So your mortgage payment can only be twenty eight percent of your income. Yeah. That's yeah. that's that's a little strict. So so. You, so let me clarify this. So you have to make enough money to qualify, but not too much money to mm-hmm. qualify. Yeah. Right. So it's just like debt. a little window. So household income, then your income to debt ratio have to make sense. So it's a fine line, in other words. It is. It is. You it's, got a small window. Yeah, right. I, okay. I call it a sweet spot, you know. Um, these companies that are giving assistance, right. they're not in the business to help you foreclose. Right. So, right. you know, the idea is we help you, right. but you don't overextend yourself. You cannot be overextended. Right. And so 25000 is is sweet. Okay. That makes sense, too. And those houses, they're new houses. Typically, those are like new constructions sometimes. Yeah. Or yeah. completely... Rehab. Talk about the habit happening. Yeah, yeah. It was it was completely renovated. Um, it was it was a beautiful home. 
you know. Mm -hmm. But again, you know, to take advantage of these programs, you have to put yourself in a position to be right. eligible. Okay. You know, credit-wise, income, debt, not debt-heavy. And, and you have to have some type of savings plan. Um, with the Habitat for Humanity, um, and I didn't know this, you have to open up in a savings account with them. Wow. You know, and sense. they hold the money. They're going right. to make you succeed. <laughs> yeah, right. you're, you're, they're going to set you up for success. Mm -hmm. for success so. so I guess the, the understanding is you have to make enough to qualify, meet the qualifications, but if you make too much money, they feel like you don't need them. And why do you? Exactly. Why do right. you? They're trying to help make it affordable. So right. More affordable housing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these, right. these programs are for individuals who pay their bills on time. Right. But can't afford Wait, to say that again. <laughs> pay your bills on time. How do you clean up your credit? <laughs> pay your bills on time. All right. <laughs> and so, you know, it's for it's for individuals who are who have families who can't afford to save ten, fifteen thousand dollars. Okay. They can afford their bills, but savings, you know, is the problem. So, you know, we do want to see some type of savings pattern. You know, you right. can't wake up Friday and say, Hey, I can get twenty five thousand and buy a house. That's why they have that, you know, minimum investment. You need to be vested. Right. Hold on. So theirs is twenty five thousand. Mister is ten thousand. Habitat for Humanity is twenty five thousand. Yes. But Mister every now and then will have like, um, like a fifteen thousand based on location, zip code, or mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. yeah they fluctuate between what seventy five hundred and fifteen thousand. Yeah. The seventy five thousand. The seventy five hundred is for uh, repeat buyers. Um, and uh, what word did they use? Uh, other housing occupants. I can't think of the word they use, but occupants that you don't want to disclose, whose credit and income right. uh, isn't where it needs to be. So they have the flex program. Right. Yeah, it was something I was going to... Oh, and then you, you considered a um, first-time home buyer for that program after three years of not being on title, correct? No, no, it's better than that. Is it? Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, it is not necessarily for first-time buyers. No, right. that is a misconception. Is that a myth? It is, is a myth. Debunk a myth. It's a myth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a myth. So you can own a home and get mission assistance if you're going to occupy the home. And it's in a right. targeted area. What? Oh, Look, okay. I've been on here arguing down, you know, no one could not have told me that that was <laughs> not not a rule. And that's why I'm the queen. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <Right>. It's true. <laughs> so you can own a home. It's just the home that you're purchasing under Mishta has to be your primary. Yes. Right. Man, that's great information. I'm, you know what? You made a post the other day, and I shared it because we want to keep some people out of jail. Because it's too many, <laughs> it's too many fake gurus on Instagram Facts. telling people what to do. Oh, you could just buy an FHA home and start investing like this. So, when you buy a home and you say you're going to be an owner occupant, that means what? You intend to occupy. Right. Intend to occupy. So. The language or the official rule is, I intend to move into this home within 60 days of closing. You actually sign a document right. uh, initially, uh, you sign it again at closing, and you intend to occupy. Can situations happen where something, you know, where, where extenuating circumstances where you need to move? Yes. But if your intentions are not to occupy, you are committing occupancy fraud. Right. 
And that comes with a hefty fine? Yes, it does. Um, the, the, you know, best case scenario is you close mm -hmm. and they do an audit and then they call you and say, hey, your loan is due right. in 30 days. Or we're going to take your house back or there's going to be a fine. So the lender can do a demand of right. their money within 30 days. And it has happened before. Right. Um, and the client, I don't I don't even I remember doing this some time ago. Um, so if you get financing for 97 percent. Right. You know, max financing and investment is what, 80 percent, 75 percent. Right. You're going to have to come up with the 25 percent. Right. To get to give the lender their money back. Right. Mm. You know, and uh, there's a big fat uh, document in your closing papers that says, you know, fraud is investigated by the FBI. That's put in there to let people know, hey, yeah, if you if you if you have done something, you know, it's not the lender that's going to investigate. Right. It's not HUD. Yeah. You know, it's the FBI. It goes beyond. It's it's a serious, serious thing. Too much has happened in the industry. Um, they're not playing. Right. You know. All right. All right. So let's uh, talk about these here interest rates. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So you've been in the business a while. Everybody's tripping off the interest rates going up. But you remember interest rates were, what, 8 9%, right? Man. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that was a, that was a good interest rate. Yep. Yeah. We thought it was good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you could get, like, what, a six and a half, seven, it was like, yes. Right. Go get that. That, that, that was the, uh, the old... Uh, 3%. Right, yeah. 2.835. <laughs> like, um, wasn't going to ask you about the interest rates. Um, oh, basically, I guess to your point, it seems to be uh, more of a concern with um, like a younger generation of people who maybe are now just like eligible to start buying, you know, right. so or coming into that space where they're ready to buy. So, you know, people who haven't, you know, been in the in the market for a really long time. It seems like, you know, what what's that going to be like twenty five to maybe mm -hmm. like thirty ish? Yeah. You know, people kind of being very concerned, like, oh my goodness, you know, I don't really want to buy a house anymore because the rates are going to be five percent. Right. The world is over. Well, well, well. Uh, Fed's going to raise rates three to four times this year. Right. It's going up uh, in March. Uh, we don't know if it's going from, you know, 25 basis points to 100, 100 basis points. So it, for to make it simpler, it goes from 2.75 to 4.75. Right. And that's what's happening. And it's continued to go up. I have never seen 5% uh, on a rate sheet until this year. Right. It was maybe 2000. Six, yeah. when I saw five, five and a half, that was a going rate for FHA. We are back there. Right. You know, conventional rates are in the fours. So let's put it in um, actual terms. So people are always scared on the seller side that the market will um, take a dive or decrease based on the rates going up. So let's say that a homeowner that right now qualifies for 250 Right, rates go up another point or so, go up another percentage. What would, how would that impact that particular buyer from a number standpoint for the same exact home? Yeah, I mean, you're you're qualifying for uh, two fifty. The rates right. go up here in, you know, in March next right. month. You're not going to qualify for two fifty, right. especially if you are debt heavy. Right. Um, the main thing is keep the debt low. Right. So that if if, if rates change, because they can change suddenly, which they did. Right. My right. my buyers were qualifying, 
And the next day, Mr. increased the rate, and the loan didn't qualify anymore. Right. And Mr. typically has a higher rate. <laughs> Ratio. Uh, no, no, they're usually uh, below market. Okay. So, Mister's rate right now, even at four and a quarter, is lower than a conventional rate. How about a FHA? A state FHA. Yeah, it's lower. Okay. Both their rates are lower. They just increased the rate here about two weeks ago, just to try to keep up with the market. Uh, but they're still low, lower than what what I'm quoting. Okay. So the house I got listed at two fifty. We got 13 buyers. Rates go up, say, a percent or whatever. So now instead of having 13 buyers, I may have eight, yes. which is still good for the seller. It's still good. And all the buyers that qualify for 265 they may be coming down to that 250 yes. price point now, yes. competing yeah. with those eight buyers that still qualify. Yeah, yeah. And so your $200,000 home now mm-hmm. in six months? right. One is going to be worth, it's going to be 225 And so, you know, everybody's waiting for, like you said, the market to. Right. It's not. Right. So you're not, you, you buy to buy now so that you don't have to pay 225 for the house. Right. Or you don't even qualify for the house. Right. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So you're saying that it is going to drop. It's going to make the, the appraised values go down. Um, now that that's that's it's it's a bit hard to predict that. What, what are you saying? But what I mean is this: so we know that rates are going to go up. Mm-hmm. It's they've already went up, but they're going they're continuing to go up four four times this year. Mm-hmm. It's happening. So that same house that's two hundred thousand, we know values are going to increase, mm-hmm. right? So what was it seven to twelve percent last year? Mm-hmm. Okay, they're going to continue to go up. So your two hundred thousand dollar house is going to be two twenty five. Gotcha. Rates are going to go up. Mm-hmm. You are not going to qualify. I got you. Yeah. Right. So it's mm-hmm. best to buy now or try to buy now if you can before rates and the prices continue to increase. And even if the values don't go up and rates only go up a certain percentage, you still got those leftover eight buyers that were still competing for every house. This so, man, I'm sorry. So you still need an influx of inventory to come to the market to make any type of shift downward on values. You, you're saying that we still have a um, deficit in, in houses. Yeah, because you, know you go from 13 buyers, rates go up, everything changes, but now you're down to eight buyers per Right, house. right. So they're saying that the feds are doing this to create some balance, you know, due to the high demand and not enough inventory, just like in general, I guess, though, <clears throat> to kind of slow down some of this craze and all this buying that people are doing. Um, it's kind of what I was reading. But then, you know, they're saying like, oh, they're doing it to keep the demand low. <clears throat> I mean, to get the, you know, to, aver- you know, like slow it down or whatever or to soften the market or right. have it to plateau. But I, I don't think that's I don't think that's going to have a huge impact because pe- the reason people are buying homes now is completely different than why they was buying homes in 2019. Yes. Like so many more people working from home. So mm-hmm. people need the space. So there's an influx of buyers that wasn't in the market before for different reasons. So yeah, And then rent rental rates are going up. So, yeah, yeah I get it. I, I guess I can agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every client <clears throat> I uh, calls, uh, my rent's being increased by $200. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, I have a decision to make. I'm like, well, the decision is made. You need to buy a home. If you're right. paying 1300 now and they're going to increase to 1500 
well, go buy yourself a $200,000 house. Right, right. You know, and so for some reason, we know why, Mm -hmm. um, these, you know, the landlords, you know, the apartment complexes, they are pushing more people to buy. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, it's good for us. I don't know how good it is for them. Right. But you know, you know, my son bought his first house. You know, he was twenty one. Yeah, I seen that. Um, he was renting uh, here on Ten Mile and Greenfield's first apartment, and I think a one bedroom was nine twenty five or nine seventy five. And I thought to myself, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. Right. <laughs> He's in a condo paying nine fifteen for a two bedroom, finished basement. Mm. Obviously, mm-hmm. they left the washer and dryer. Right. There is an attached garage. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> and he owns it. Yeah, and he owns it. Right. You know, and I'm like, it is, it's like, is it this a lot smarter, you right. know? And so we just want to make smarter decisions. And um, I pushed I pushed my son to purchase. Right. I did. I forced him. Um, but it was the best thing. And all these other buyers, you said I'm passionate, I pushed them to buy. Right. So because I don't, I don't want to see anyone being evicted. Right. Because they cannot afford the rent. Right. Do you ever have situations where you feel like it's not in a person's best interest to buy? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad she said that. People look at me crazy when I be like, everybody shouldn't buy right now. Everybody's not, you know, you're not in a a position to buy. Um, You're not mentally prepared to handle the financial responsibility of purchasing a home. So a few things. So from my standpoint, if I'm looking at a client and their bank account continues to go negative, overdrafting, NSFs, you're not managing your finances now. Right. Why are you going to manage your finances in a month when I get you a house? Right. Okay. Housing expense is housing expense. Okay. It doesn't change whether it's a mortgage or rent. This is still housing expense. So if you're mismanaging your money, I do not think it's in your best interest to purchase a home. Right. So, you know, my, my advice to clients like that, I ask the question, why are you overdrafting? Right. You know, because I want to know. <laughs> you know, you know, my license is, is behind this. Um, Gold Star is behind it. Foreclosures don't look good for us. It doesn't look good for our neighborhoods. Right. And um, and too many foreclosures can change lending requirements. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I have an interest, and I want to know why, you know. And so that um, clients who haven't saved a penny, right? Um, what are you doing? You know, what, you woke up Friday and you saw me post ten thousand dollars is available, and you said you don't know about house, um, but you haven't saved. Anything. So you're not vested, which right. means if I give you $10,000 or Mishta or whatever, you know, assistant gives you money, you have invested your own money. Right. So you're, you know, you will foreclose quicker than, you know, the struggling single mom that somehow saved three to $5,000 over the last year. She's going to do everything right. to save her house versus you. Who overdrafts? Right. You know who took your first, your you know your check to buy right. a home, and so yeah, those kind of clients not so much. Um, but I will ask questions, you know, just to get the mindset, you know, of a buyer. And you know, usually, it really is just mismanagement. 
Okay. It, it really it is mismanagement. A lot of people actually can't afford to buy houses. They just mismanage. So what are we, you know, telling people to you know prepare for this and to prepare for the interest rate increases? You know, what can we do to um, help sustain that, you know, for those of us who feel like it's just going to be monumentous. What's the word? Monumentous. Preparing buyers. That's the word. Right. It is. It is. <laughs> Look I think so. I think so. Um, um, oh, he the calculator. I'm not the dictionary. Oh, he not. He not yeah, the dictionary. Prepare. You want your credit score as high as possible so you could get the best rate. Right. Okay. Um, even if rates are high, if your credit score is low, six forty, which is not, it's considered fair credit. Right. You can't take advantage of the best rate. The other thing I would uh, recommend is to pay your debts down. Mm-hmm. So start with these smaller credit cards, you know, these $30, $40 a month, because this can impact what you qualify for. So if Pay homes, them down or pay them off? Because people get bad information on that. Thanks. All right. So I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm yeah. talking to our people. She, All right. She so know. we're talking to our people. Okay. Right. So here's the thing. When you pay debt off, right. that can affect you negatively. Okay. Okay. So and I so, have a credit card close. I had. No, when you pay down oh. to zero. So pay to zero. Closing okay. is worse, but down to zero can also be, you know, if you don't have a lot of credit, it's limited, and you go and pay something down, and it's being counted in the credit score, well, how's the credit score going to, they can't collect any information because it's zero. We used so to I, argue about that. She taught me that. You know, you don't. Because I was like, down to zero, and, and then she was like, oh, no, pay it down to $15. Like, what? Yeah, I mean, if your credit is limited, now me, mm-hmm. I can pay everything off and my credit score will shoot. Mm-hmm. I've got right. this long history of paying bills. Right. But someone that's trying to rebuild or build, no, I'm not going to suggest it. But yeah, leave it. Janita's right. Leave it at $10, $15. Right. Young lady was uh, teetering somewhere around 630, new, young. She probably had about a two account, three accounts open within a year. And she says, what do I need to do to get to 640? I said, right. you need to put $10 on your Capital One. Right. She put the $10, score went up 640. She's ready. You know, everybody's situation is unique, is different. Yeah. Nobody's credit is exactly the same. Everyone in this room's different lifts, different right. accounts, different utilization. And so there is no one, you know. Not a one-trick pony. Yeah, no. So let you, diversity. So we had a um, we what was we talking? We was talking about before about um, person starting from scratch, brand new. They don't have any. They don't even know their credit score. I love those. Right. Mm-hmm. They come in. They've been on their job. They have no idea about the home buying process. Who should they call first, a lender or the realtor? Me. All right. <laughs> home buying classes call the realtor first. Mm. To be honest. Yeah. yeah, I actually looked at a home buying class the other day, and I, I said, "Call I, the realtor first, man." It's, I, I, I said, that's call so crazy. The that's, that's, when people call me and they say, "I'd be like, honestly, you, you." When they call me and they have a lender, I'd be like, "You did the right thing first, right?" Honestly, you yeah. call anybody that's a good real estate professional, right? True, because they're going. So the 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 realtor has a lot of relationships, so they're going to get you to her. Yeah, that's because we we got relationships. We're good because of her. Correct. So. But the average but if you person were put it in a book. The order. I would say call the lender first. The 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 yeah the class. Uh, Freddie Mac says call the agent first, mm-hmm. which I thought was odd. Um, but here's the thing: 
call anyone in the business so that they can direct you mm-hmm. to the right person. Okay. The, the, the lender is the, with the money. Right. So it would make sense for me to walk you through the entire process. Right. Um, the new clients are so clueless as to steps. <clears throat> and so I find myself um, knowing everyone's job. Right. Um, a little bit about everything mm-hmm. because, you know, it's it's very stressful and um, they they need some help. I got something to say about no, that. What, what no, go ahead. So... Sometimes you call a lender, and the lender just sends you a notice saying you got declined. Sorry, I can't help you. Yeah. Every loan officer isn't Erica Kemp, right? You you understand? So that's yeah. why you might want to call your your realtor because the realtor ain't gonna let they deal die or their but client. Every realtor pass. is not equal. I agree, either. but but right. I'm saying I mean if you if you um, if you're I've seen a lot of realtors that mm-hmm. will work that stick with their client. I'm not saying that some uh, loan officers don't as well. Right. But I've seen a lot of loan officers just tell them, sorry, you're not ready. You know right. what I mean? And keep right. moving. Right? And, but, well, the realtor will say, okay, well, let me look at your credit. Right. You know what I'm saying? All right, these are <laughs> these are the things. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to help you. I mean, they can help. You can help, right? Can you right. help? As a realtor? Careful. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I know... I know enough information to kind of guide them in the right yeah. direction yeah. and say, here, go talk to these two or three loan reps. Yes. But if they call me and say, look, my credit score is 540 or something, and I've only been on my job two months, I'm going to say, you need some help. Mm-hmm. Here's two or three loan officers. They're going to get the same response, right? Right. But I'm going to probably refer them to the loan officer that's going to work with them versus just rejecting them all together. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Um yeah. I'm vested, you know. Uh, I don't want to see, you know, I don't want to be the loan officer that says, you're not ready, next, 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 right? So uh, I try to, um, if I'm not too, too, too busy, I try to put together some type of plan. Right. Um, You know, if it's it's not too much work, what they need to do to get ready. So I'll send this little email out and say, hey, these are your scores. Um, either you're, you know, you need to take care of this before you give me a call back. Um, what you said is a client calling telling you what the credit score is. Your credit score is not 540. Right. You don't even know what your credit score <laughs> right. is, sir. Exactly. Ma'am, you don't know. So, you know, I get that a lot. Right. I pull the credit and it is significantly lower than what they thought every right. single time. Um, and so, you know, it always goes back to education. Um, the greatest website for credit scoring is not Credit Karma. Right. Um, it is MyFICO.com. Yep. And so uh, where people don't understand this is education, you've got six or seven different credit scores on MyFICO.com. And then people will start to see, ah, this is why my credit score is different with Karma. Um, They're going to have to start paying us. With Chase. You know, <laughs> you know and it, but my FICO has the mortgage credit score, and it is dead on. It is right, right every time. So I'll you know tell the client, hey, if you really want to buy, you need to pay thirty nine ninety five a month right. to monitor your credit. Here is the plan. Right. You come back to me two months, three months, six months, whatever later, you will get a house. Right. And there's only a small portion that actually follows the directions anyway. Mm-hmm. So right. you know I'm giving free advice. You take it. You would be so, so it's crazy because I tell people, kind of like what we're talking about right now, you may not be ready today, maybe in 30 days, 
90 days, two years, whatever it is. But my team and I, we typically give you a plan of action, <clears throat> right? And there's so many people who pay like thousands of dollars, like, oh, I just paid $5,000 and that person was great. They got my credit all the way together. When they probably, if they talked to a realtor and the loan officer, probably would have paid just what they needed to. The thirty nine ninety five. The, the $39.95 yeah. plus down their debts, they probably be ready. Yeah, yeah. Please you, cover cover that that credit. Re- it's so yeah. many credit repair scams Are out here. Are you guys trying to get me in trouble? <laughs> no, but I mean, okay, we know okay. people out here that don't. They're telling people, I can fix your credit so you can buy a home or so you can get a car. Lies, lies, lies. Exactly. <laughs> so we, we, we need to hear from the, the real, the person that's going to be doing the loan. Man, okay. All right, so let's start from when I first started. So um, it's, it's early 2000s. This credit repair thing comes out. Now, we used to do credit counseling. Right. Credit counseling was excellent. You put all your bad credit, this counselor negotiates uh, zero interest or some super low rate. You pay one payment, they disperse it, almost like a, you know, about chapter 13, 13. right? Right. That's what it used to be. So here's the credit repair companies saying, hey, we're going to dispute these, blah, 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 and your credit's going to shoot up. What you don't know is this. While your credit is in dispute... The credit bills are not counting the debt against you, so it appears that your credit score is higher. Right. Okay? As a mortgage loan officer, you cannot have any more than $1,000 in dispute, in collections. So if you have everything in dispute, we're going to tell you to resolve it, and your credit score is going to go down. Down, down, down. Right. Now, credit repair, I mean, this is this was this is a lucrative business. I mean, these people are getting paid. Right. Your credit goes nowhere. I have had maybe three clients come back to me after credit repair. I've had credit repair people call me and say right. this person's credit is ready. And when I pull the credit, everything's in dispute. Right. So no, so they're not ready. <laughs> right. But you just got paid a thousand dollars. Right. And the and the individual is highly upset. Right. Because they've been in this program for a year, and their credit hasn't went anywhere. Lexington Law charges. What is it? Ninety nine, ninety nine. Yeah, I don't know. For something, something like that, and then you know they don't dispute everything all at one time, and uh, and then they go and come back and come back, and after you're in the program. And you don't have enough results, they'll cut. They'll go down to keep you in. You know, we're still working. You know, we know we'll we'll we'll, wow. we'll, we'll charge you sixty nine ninety nine a month when all of the money you paid you you could have paid it off, paid got it the off. credit together anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just not a fan of credit repair. Um, I'm sure there are companies out here that are legitimate. Right. But you know, historically, and you know, as a whole. Um, it comes. It, it's a bit scamish to me. Right. So there are. Oh, this. So is I got an affiliate that is good yeah. at credit repair. I'm gonna get them on. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get them on the uh, show. Not now. You're not. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna no, get them no, on the show. We got <laughs> We got to vet no, them no, first. Because no, really I mean, I, I agree with her. A, a lot of people aren't, but right. there are a few that are. Yeah, there are mm-hmm. some. There are some. You know, I think that the larger the company. Probably the worst. Probably not so, you know. I think if the goal is to purchase a house and not to have an 800 score, then your first stop is your lender, realtor, realtor, lender, one of them, (laughs) however, whichever way you decide to want to do it. Mm -hmm. You're a good real estate professional. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll lead you, you know, where you need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, if the credit's too bad, I'm honest with a person. Hey, I can't help you. Right. You might want to consider credit restoration, but be careful, you know. Um, I like the credit counseling idea. I know it's old school. Right. Um, but, you know, if the plan is to buy, you've got a... You know, specialists with Green Path, they got these, you know, tons of credit counselors. Mm-hmm. Go to them and negotiate. Right. Mm-hmm. And let them negotiate on your behalf. At least the money that you're paying is going towards the debt. Right. Yeah. And they've negotiated, you know, a lower interest rate or some type of settlement. And then after a year, it's all paid off. Matter of fact, if you have been in credit counseling for a year, similar to Chapter 13, you right. can still buy a home. So credit doesn't have to be perfect, right? you know, to get a home. We just want to see good payment history. Right. And that credit counseling, I just thought about it. That's, that's, I, w- I would probably do that over the credit repair. So the, the lenders are like, we need to see some effort. Mm-hmm. Put some effort. Yeah, put some Give me some effort. effort. And if I see a client that gives me effort that isn't ready, right? but the effort is there, what do I need to do? I'm all over that. Right. So we just got one more area before we're going to wrap it up. But anyways, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the refinances because I guess it's a little bit interesting right now because we're talking about people potentially like staying put, interest rates going high, you know, people don't want to sell, but they want some of that equity maybe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, uh, what are you seeing as far as, you know, like your refis? Are you seeing an influx of that or... Actually, no, because rates are so high. Earlier, because rates are so high. I mean, you, you know, <laughs> to the last couple. Years. I mean, your rate, <laughs> the rate that you have is where I can't beat it. Yeah. I can't even get close. Right. Um, I think that debt consolidation refinances are good. So if you've got a ton of debt and you've got equity in the house, even though the rate that I may give you, let's say, is four point seven five, uh, when we consolidate all of that high interest credit card debt into the mortgage, you're saving, you know, one client I saved $1,400. You know, I kept the term. I think they had 21 or 22 years left on the mortgage, gave them a 20 year, paid off everything, saved them $1,300. Those are the sweet deals. That is what I would do. Um, I think that clients are thinking that their 2.75 rate is here. That is so gone. But if you've got credit card debt, you should do the refi. But no. She's talking 1400 a month. Yeah. Not but don't go back up and run no. that credit card yeah, debt Yeah, pay it back off up. And, stick, and stick to, you know, uh, stick to the plan. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, maybe you, like, have a couple of credit cards in case, you know, you need them tucked away, like that kind of thing. Are you talking about closing any or... No, I would never close no credit card. You, you know, well, unless you got too many open. But I don't. I, I, I wouldn't. wouldn't I don't. I wouldn't close them. I would leave mm-hmm. them open. I mean, after so long, they close them anyway. If you don't have activity on it. Yeah. Um, but this particular client, um, her husband was retiring in this January, actually, and um, and I did the refi last year. I couldn't beat the rate. Um, again, I couldn't, but it was so right. much credit card debt. We paid off a car. Mm-hmm. We, wow. you know, did a student loan. We paid off almost every credit card with maybe one or two. And it was the sweetest. I even did the deal myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I, you know, I refinanced and paid off my Amazon. You know, during the COVID, we kind of <laughs> ran up. Erica was buying patio was furniture, floors. I, I sure did. <laughs> and so, anyway, I paid off this Amazon bill. You know, that's I call him Satan. 
And I um, still ain't sat on the patio furniture. Come over. And I bought a I pool and everything. I, oh, I did. I don't get a Juneteenth invite. I bought a pool <laughs> for my daughter. And um, so I paid off this bill and a couple credit cards. And I, I saved myself $600 right. a month. And rates were low. I think I got like a 1.75 rate or something. Oh, something sweet. stupid That's low. Almost free money. Oh, I got one question. So can you still buy down? Well, would you recommend no. people buying down their, their rates? No, you don't have the money. It's too high. Mm-hmm. I mean, today, well, no, yeah. no, it's too high. It's, it, it's, it's too, the rate, the cost is so high to buy down. You know, if you're trying to get to four, I told one lady, I said, you, you want to pay $10,000 to get in the four? I have a question for everybody. Yeah. Uh, three point three 3% rate versus a 4.85% rate. Oh, goodness. Um, if you're trying, I mean, is that like a crabs in a bucket mentality, trying not to get that 4.8% 4, 4. rate? Like, yeah, no. Like running what, away from it? What do you mean? Like, give me an example. What do you, what's like, the question? Is it a crabs in a bucket mentality? But that's too, that's too, that's too, uh, running vague. away from the 4.8% rate. You talking about trying to buy it down to three percent? Trying to buy it down to three percent, or trying not to buy a house right now because we're back there. Um, you know, maybe like what you said, the money to to buy the rate down. You're going to spend so much of your liquid money trying to get a lower interest rate. Oh, I see. How much? Saying. It's going to take so much money really to recoup. It depends on, the, on on so four point eight five to three percent. If I only had to spend ten thousand, I'm on a five hundred thousand dollar loan. Shit, yeah, I'm going to spend that $10,000. Well, you've got to think about how long it's going to take for you to recoup the money, Mm -hmm. you know, to buy the rate down. And a lot of of times, it's not worth it. You know, you're going to try to save $10 or $20 a month just because you want to say, well, my rate is three and a half, and you're going to save, you know, what? The difference between three and a half and 4%. And That's you might what have I'm to asking. stay there 15 years or something for it to even make sense. It doesn't yeah. make sense. People right. don't even people. I have, people get out of mortgages in three years. That's right. the, that's the turnover. It's three years. They refi. You know what is it? I don't see them doing that. that no the time average sure. the average homeowner only on average seven seven years. But I think it's closer to ten. But yeah. about seven years, depending on what the market. You say does, so, so. So on the five hundred thousand dollar loan between the interest. Three uh, percent and four point eight five. You save about six thousand a year. But the so higher. if I only had to spend ten thousand, I made my money back in year two. Well, see, yeah. But well, wait a minute, hold right. on. See, you're talking in a higher price range. Uh, that's rate. what I'm saying. But it hold depends. on, yeah. to buy your rate down is going to be more than ten thousand. Yeah. That, so every your, situation your, your is different. Your buy down is going to be more than ten. It 100%. may be twenty thousand. Every every situation is different. Yeah, because your loan amount is higher. But the, our average loan amount, you right. know, is what one seventy now. But the higher yep. the um. Credit and the price point, don't you get a better rate on those too? Even those aren't that great. So $500,000 refi closed today on a land contract, uh, tons of equity. Um, I think we were well under uh, 70-something percent. Mm -hmm. The best rate that I could give them, and they were in the sevens, was 38 that's but bad. that's what I mean. At four eighty one, it was four eighty one refi. But who has, who has seven eight hundred credit scores with more than twenty thirty percent equity in the house? That person that's right. at, at that, that five hundred or six hundred thousand dollar house. No, that now that if they bought, it just depends on when they, they bought. bought. Every situation, but that client is refinancing <laughs> at three point seven five. They're not going to refi because it, what's the purpose of them? Refinancing? So if they miss the so. 
if they missed the initial refi for whatever reason, maybe their credit wasn't right, maybe they just didn't think about it, right? Just maybe they didn't, weren't paying attention. Then it might make so, but well, they, they have to refi because they. She said like if they were in a land contract, and they had a balloon payment. Yeah. Now they have to and refinance. That, and that her. was the land contract. That was the reason. Yeah, right. but she. So that was her scenario. But then she was asking, "What? Who? What else do? Who else would well, do so, that?" So here's the thing. Here's the thing. We have to talk about mentality. Mm-hmm. If you own a five hundred thousand dollar house, mm-hmm. like Janita said, your credit most likely is good, which means you are savvy. And you, when you purchased that home, you made sure your rate was low. And if and if if the rates did get low, you were smart enough to refi when it was at the one point seven or two. You 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 pull you you pulled the trigger. Gotcha. Right. And in some cases, it may make sense to buy it down. A lot of times, and when you have higher credit scores plus a higher loan amount, your your rate isn't going to be as high as the person that's buying a hundred and fifty thousand dollar house at six forty. Yes, ma'am. That is correct. That is correct. So, in other words, get better credit, buy a bigger home. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) better credit, lower debt, get a bigger home. Man, because you could. They had a good credit, but they got all the debt. Shoot, sure. I got somebody that had, a, I don't want to talk about, but, you know, people have a whole lot of debt, yeah. no matter what your credit is or how much money you make because right. your debt too heavy. What price point puts you in a jumbo loan status? What is a jumbo? It's like five something. Is it five? Yeah, five, it's five something. It's different for um, counties. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I don't know the answer because I don't do a lot of jumbo. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just sorry. telling you who she no, I'm helping. I'm, I'm helping your average home new home buyer. Right. No, so no, I'm, I'm no somewhere worries. like I'm somewhere about three hundred. Okay. I think you you know my highest buyer is you know three three fifty, but my average home buyer right now is teetering somewhere between one fifty and two hundred. But that person you, that needs a jumbo loan, I mean, are you able to make well, that yeah, happen? The four eighty one. Well, that wasn't considered jumbo, but yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yep. But you know what's unique about that, and just wrap this up, but what's unique about that price point she mentioned, um, rates matter, but not that much from mm-hmm. a seller standpoint and from the overall market. Because when rates go up a percent, that 150 to 200 don't is not impacted. Now like you're talking about 500 dollars and, and that's yeah. what I was asking. Like, is it yeah. more of a crabs in the bucket mentality when you're running around, like bumping into walls, worrying about the rates, rates. going up to yeah. 4.8? Yeah, and you're buying a hundred and fifty thousand dollar home that's, that's versus me. somebody that's buying an eight hundred thousand dollar home. If you read like a lot of the articles different. around, it, it's like the cutbacks. Like, yeah, you know, um, they're talking about real like lifestyle and entertainment changes. And I'm just more so like you probably can go through your bank account and cancel a bunch of subscriptions that you're not using, and maybe cut your coffee uh, stops in half and get some of that money back. It depends. Like Erica was talking about those people that was at Habitat for, hum- for Humanity. And they got low. Um, they may not qualify if they had if they don't have that interest rate. So yeah, they want to get it now. Why they qualify? If the interest rate goes up, you may not qualify for that house. Right. All right. Okay. It's a good show. It's a wrap. Erica, right. I always <laughs> do it to wrap before I get where to find you at. I'm sorry. Bring it back, y'all. <laughs> so uh, you can find me at www.ericasimpson.net. Or you can call me direct. I can get my cell phone number. Absolutely. Right. Go ahead. All right. So 734-669-3065. Call me. Any questions, free consultations, hit me up. You're on Facebook and Instagram and all that, right? 
I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not Why an Instagram kind of person. I'm not even. I'm oh, going yeah. there sometimes. I don't really post like that. You know, yeah. I'm already popular. All right. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. It's a wrap. All right. <laughs>